Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including house churches, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by Steve Fowler. We're in this series, Kingdom Come, because I think more than ever, we need clarity on what does a kingdom citizen look like, and I honestly think we need to call back to the basics of what does it look like to image Jesus to our, to our world. And so because the kingdom of God is something that Jesus constantly talked about, and because there just seems to be, it just means kind of fuzzy, like it, I'm not quite sure what this means or what it looks like, I feel like we need to talk about it. And so at the beginning of the series, we, we talked about the adjectives or the ways that you can recognize the kingdom of God is moving. We described and defined the kingdom as the society in which God's will is done. Uh, we, uh, we, we talked about this idea that Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else will be added to you. So we, we know that the kingdom of God is important, but what does it really mean to seek first the kingdom? What does that look like? How, how do you do that? So we're working with an acronym in this month, the acronym AIM, and it comes from a book written by a guy named Mitsu Wakabayashi, and Mitsu has, has this Allegiance Integration Mission. So last week, we talked about allegiance, and we spoke about the idea that our, un, that our allegiance to Jesus, I don't believe it'll be undermined necessarily by a Roman Colosseum or a lion's den. I actually think that it's way more subtle than that. So I, I tried to highlight, I didn't, it wasn't an exhaustive list, but I, I wanted to hit things, I want to talk about consumerism and, and how you can't, you can't serve two masters. And I want to talk about individualism and how we're better together. And I want to talk about nationalism and how dangerous that is. And so we reflected on the fact that the, how Jesus got drug into the attack on the Capitol a, a year ago. And by the way, th- thanks for coming back this week uh, after that talk. But it's a really important topic. Because we, we want to seek first the kingdom and we don't want to be, uh, we just don't want to confuse what that looks like. The society in which God's will will be done will not be done through capitals or overtaking nations. It happens at the grassroots level, which you're going to see in the parables as, as they're preached on in, in February, uh, these kingdom parables. But last week was allegiance. This week is integration. And so what I want to do is, is take us to Matthew chapter 7. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Matthew 7. Uh, you can go there on your screen if you've got an iPad or your phone. You're, you're going there. Um, this is a sermon that Jesus has preached, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7 is the conclusion. And as you get to the end of his sermon, he has a closing illustration. Um, that he's going to drive the, drive his point home with. It's, a, it's, it's what us preacher types call, uh, call sticky. Meaning, uh, th- this sticks with you. you. You remember this, and many of you know this story. In fact, uh, kids' songs in Sunday school uh, have been inspired by this closing illustration of Jesus' sermon. Um, and, but we need to make sure we understand it and know what he's talking about. So I want to read Matthew 7, verses 21 through 29, and then uh, talk about integration of the kingdom. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. 
Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. This is God's holy word. So here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about two builders, two houses, one storm, two outcomes. Two builders, two houses, one storm, two outcomes. It's, it's pretty simple. It's pretty clear how Jesus lays this out. The two builders, are the, these are people who are constructing a house. Um, when Trina first moved to Salem, there was a lot of that happening in Salem in the neighborhood that we would walk through, a lot of construction. And I'm, we've always been impressed with people who can build things. I've, I, I don't know the first thing about building a house, but there are people in the room who do. And it, it's a skill. So we have two builders. And those two builders in Jesus' closing illustration, illustration represent just two individuals are two types of people. The two houses are the lives that they have lived. Two individuals are the, are the builders, and then you got two houses. These are the lives that they have built. And as they're building their lives, it, both look quite similar. I mean, the, the, the houses, the, the, the people are living in, living in them, so the houses that are built, they're, they're good houses. But you probably know that there are houses that they, they look good from far, but they're far from good. The first house that... Trina and I moved into. Uh, when we first moved into it, it, it man, a great curb appeal. We loved how it looked online. That when we moved in it, we, we, we found some issues. Things like the hot water uh, to the dishwasher was actually not hooked up to the hot water inlet in the dishwasher. It was hooked up to the cold water, and the cold water was hooked up to the hot water. And so um, when you did the dishes, the dishes wouldn't clean. And so we thought we had to get a new dishwasher. And then when someone was looking at it, they realized, actually, the, 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 the lines are all mixed up. And uh, OK, so we got, we got those fixed. And, and then we were trying to heat the house in the winter and cool it in the summer. And as that was taking place, um, we realized that the house wasn't heating up, and it wasn't cooling. And then we began to just kind of dig around. I shine. I was taking a flashlight, shine it down to, into the vent where the air comes up, and I looked down, and the ductwork was down there. It just wasn't connected to the vent, which is kind of interesting because we were the third family to live in that house, and so I was like, did not any, did anyone not notice this? Uh, I mean, I could go on and on, and by the way, I sold the house to my son, and now he's living with this. Uh, <clears throat> Sorry, Cal. Um, but we bought another house. And uh, boy, this, this house, the lights work, HVAC system works. I mean, the, the doors close like they're supposed to close. It, it's a completely different house. Two builders, two houses. And you know, if you look at the two houses, they, from the curb, they have appeal. They look great. It's, the issue is the, the foundation. You, you can't see it. You're, you're just looking at, at the house and think, things look great. But then there's the storm. The storm comes, and um, in, in great Oregonian fashion, Jesus says, well, the rain came down. Okay, no big deal. We know what that's like. But then it keeps coming down. Yeah, yeah, we know what that's like. But then the streams start to rise. Okay, okay yeah, we, we've experienced that around here. We know what that's like. And, but then the ground is so saturated, and with the saturation of the ground and this continual rain, the winds kick in. And Jesus says they're actually beating at the house. Like, they're pummeling the house. 
and both houses are being tested. I was six years old, living in Hong Kong, and my parents told uh, us kids that tonight we're not sleeping in our beds, we're sleeping in the hallway because there's a typhoon that's rolling through. Typhoon Rose. You could Google it and you would find one of the strongest typhoons that's ever hit that city. Uh, We went to bed that night in the hallway because you didn't want to be around windows because the windows were going to blow out. And they did blow out in our apartment. And then they blew out in many people's apartments. We were in a 20-story building uh, there in Hong Kong. And that night as we were just sleeping in the hallway or trying to find sleep, you could hear the wind whistling and you could hear crunching and crashing as there was all kinds of devastation that was taking place uh, around us and where we live. It's a very populated city. Um, in the morning when we woke up, we, we had this apartment. We looked out kind of in this, uh, the backside of the harbor. And uh, there were ships out there that evening when the storm was rolling in. In the morning, here's, here's a couple pictures. These are from actually t- Typhoon Rose. Um, I mean, how would you like to live in those apartments and wake up and see that ship in your front yard? Um, that, that thing was, was anchored out in the harbor. Here's another one. This actually we could see from our apartment balcony. Um, this is a U.S. Navy freighter. And uh, if you were to the top, if you were to go to the top right of that picture, maybe go to the edge of the screen over there. That's where we lived, just on that side. So we we woke up and we saw this ship. Literally, it's on the island. It just got blown up there. But but ships didn't just get lifted. Their anchors didn't just get lifted because of this massive storm. Peak winds, 140 miles an hour. Uh, the ground was so saturated, the buildings came down. Here, here's a picture of a landslide. A lot of people lost their lives that night. Because the, the ground underneath the building just gave way. Two builders, two houses, one storm. And Jesus, at the end of this sermon that he's given, this Sermon on the Mount, um, says that the, the person who builds their house on bedrock, um, they're wise. The person who builds on sand, um, they're foolish. And... You know, when you're preaching and teaching, our, our preaching team does this. We're, we're always looking at a text like this, and we're, 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 framed, we're looking at it to make, to make sure that we're preaching accurately and not telling you what we want to say, but actually telling you what the scriptures are teaching. We ask the question, what, what is the question the text is answering? What's the question that the actual, what's the question Jesus is answering for us? And we'll put this, the, the, the question up there on the screen. It's, it's pretty simple. How does someone build their house on the rock? How do you do that? And if you answered that question by saying, well, the, the, the way you build your house on the rock is by giving your life to Jesus, I just want you to know you're dead wrong. That's not what Jesus is saying. This, this, yes, I know Jesus is called the rock in the Bible, but if you look carefully what Jesus is saying here, he's actually not talking about a Christian and a non-Christian. He's actually talking about two people who think that they are following after him. The reason we know this is because if you go just to the end of his sermon in Matthew chapter 7, you read some very frightening verses. I'll put them up here on the screen. Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. There will be people who will stand before Jesus who are convinced that they are following Jesus, but Jesus is going to say to them, I don't recognize you. 
And friends, the frightening thing about this passage is it doesn't say just a few people. It says many. It's many people. And, and they're going to they're gonna say, okay, but can you kind of check it? Look, I prophesied. Meaning, I strengthened the church, I comforted the church, I encouraged the church. That's what prophecy is. And Paul says, this is a really important gift. I wish you all would prophesy. But I, I prophesied, and, and, and some are going to say, I, I did miracles. And others are going to say, I, I actually cast out demons. I set people free from darkness and oppression. And aren't those characteristics of the kingdom? And, and yes, but Jesus is actually going to say, I don't recognize you. Why? We'll, I mean, put the question back up here on the screen. How does someone build their house on rock? Friends, this is not about being a Christian or not being, about a, uh, not being a Christian. Jesus actually answers the question in the text. It's right there in the text. This is what he says. Anyone who listens to my teaching and puts it into practice is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. When Jesus is preaching the kingdom, yes, he wants allegiance, but actually the teaching that he is giving, which everyone's amazed by, he's teaching with authority like no one else has ever taught before. They love his teaching, and what he's saying to them is, I'm glad you love my teaching, but now I want you to put it into practice. I want you to integrate it into your life. And friends, my life, your life, our lives are in great danger if we do not put into practice the very things that Jesus has taught us. Isn't this such a happy farewell sermon? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But the, the integration of what Jesus wants us to embrace in our lives are the things that you don't see. This is the end of his sermon. Do you know what his sermon contains? It contains all this stuff that is the foundation. It's below the waterline, so to speak. It's below ground. You don't notice it. He says, you know what? You've heard it said, do not murder. But I tell you that if you hold anger in your heart and you, you say raka, which is, it might be Aramaic, or it, it's like calling someone an idiot, but in, in, in your heart, you don't see that. We, we don't see that. He says, actually, adultery, you've heard it said, and don't commit adultery. It, it's not about being caught in the wrong bed. Actually, it's to have any lust in your heart. You've committed adultery. We can't see that. It's below the waterline. Jesus will say, hey, when you pray, pray, pray in private. We don't see that. He says, when you give, give privately. Don't blow trumpets and make a big noise like the Pharisees do. He keeps poking and prodding. He keeps saying, hey, store treasures in heaven and not on earth. You can't see how much treasure you stored in heaven. He keeps pointing at the things that are not obvious and visible and saying, these are the kind of things I want you to integrate into your life. And if you do, you will be wise. And the Sermon on the Mount is not the only place he says it. John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus says these words. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. I want you to notice something. He doesn't say to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you know my teachings. He doesn't say that. 
Oh, we need to hear his teachings. We need to be familiar with his teaching. Absolutely. But not just for the acquisition of knowledge and information. Jesus is actually expecting us, by the power of the Spirit, to use that teaching to transform our lives so that we might image him and look more and more like him. This is the heart of Jesus for us. This is why integration is so critical in our following of Jesus. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves is, am I in danger of actually coming before Jesus and falling back on all the things that I've done? Because if I'm going to say, this is, this is really important for me. One of the biggest mistakes I could make is to stand before Jesus. But Jesus, I pastored for 25 years. I led Salem Alliance, and these are all the things that we, we did. Jesus is actually more interested in my obedience, because obedience is worship, which is why Samuel will say to Saul, King Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. And I think what you could say in this text, text is, to obey is better than prophesying, or miracles, or casting out demons. Oh, we need miracles. Some of you are praying for a miracle. We, we do. Jesus did miracles. We, we need deliverance. We need freedom from darkness. That, that needs to happen. And, and Jesus wants that to happen. That, that's the kingdom. Oh, and, and you need to be encouraged and strengthened and comforted. I mean, that, that's important. But the bedrock to all of this is the wisdom to integrate the teachings of Jesus into our lives. That's what the children's song is all about, to build your house on the rock. And friends, that's why around this place, for the last decades, this has happened before you know, Stephen Trina showed up. But that's, why, that's why we have a cross on the platform. Because Jesus' teachings say that we need to seek and save the lost. Jesus talks about going after the sheep or finding the lost coin or going after the prodigal or, or the lost job in Luke chapter 16. And he has a heart for people who have not yet experienced the, the father heart of God. That's why we have a cross. and That's why when someone pounds a white ribbon, we all celebrate because we know the angels of heaven are celebrating. Luke 15 tells, teaches us that. That's why we have that cross. Um... That's actually why we give generously to things that are going on in our city. We took a Christmas offering. Do you know that you gave, and you gave in such a way that we are going to be able to give a 20000 nearly a $20,000 check to Union Gospel Mission to care for the homeless in our city. And you, you, should, be, you should be cheering each other on for that. And th 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 you've done that and done that and done that. This is, this is why we, uh, we have Salem Free Clinics, because we care for the poor. Jesus says to care for the poor and have your eye out on the poor. And so we believe it's actually an injustice that people wouldn't have health care. And so they can come for free medical care and free mental health care and the free dental care. And in those conversations, that we, we just simply ask, can, can we pray for you? And, and if they say yes, it might lead to a spiritual conversation. And you know what? You don't, your care isn't dependent on you saying yes to prayer. It's just part of triaging a patient and caring for them and loving them well. It's holistic. And 
And, and yes, people, people find Jesus there. In fact, we have five roses over here by the cross. All five are from the last few weeks of ministry at Salem Free Clinics, people who have begun to follow Jesus. And you should celebrate that too, because that's pretty significant that Jesus is drawing people to himself. <laughs> Friends, Jesus, Jesus teaches us to care for the foreigner and the alien. This is why we have Salem for Refugees. This is why it was birthed in this place. And now being led so well by Luke Glaze and, and, and so many more team members, team members are being added like almost weekly because it's just growing, growing, growing. And people are being cared for and loved on. They're coming from such horrific situations of war and persecution and they're coming here and they're our new neighbors and they're being loved on. That's why we're doing it. That's why we started it. That's why Sparrow Furniture is over there on Broadway. Because we believe that not only do we want you to have a new, we want you to have purpose in life and, and learn some job skills so that you can be integrated into our city. Because this is the heart of Jesus. He cares about all of us. He cares about our physical bodies. He cares about our souls. He cares about our emotions. And he cares about our finances, our livelihoods. It's the vision that we're pursuing, a city at peace with God. That's why we, why we do that. That's why we started RTI. Jesus said, the fields are white for harvest. But pray the Lord of harvest that workers would be raised up. So we started a ministry school. And that ministry school has been going, and we have graduates who are around the world and some leading churches here in the U.S. We have graduates who are, I mean, students who are, who are going to that school right now. And it's, why would we do that? Because this is, this is what Jesus has taught us. We're just simply integrating what he's, what he's taught us. Th this is why... This is why we believe women must be unleashed into ministry alongside men. Because in the Old Testament, you've got Deborah who's leading Israel way before Barak comes on the scene. She's, she's leading the nation. Like she's president of the nation Israel. This is the book of Judges. And then you get to 2 Kings chapter 22 and King Josiah is leading and then he discovers the law of the Lord and uh, he could have gone to Jeremiah the prophet. Who is it? It's a pretty big name. There's a book in the Bible named after him. But he doesn't go to Jeremiah, he goes to Huldah. And she's a prophet, and she explains the law of the Lord, not just to King Josiah, but to his entire cabinet, and how they can recalibrate and come under God's lordship. And revival breaks out because of her, her leadership. This is what, Micah chapter 6 says this, that Aaron, Moses, and Miriam led Israel. And Joel chapter 2 says, the spirit of the Lord poured out on men and women, old and young. And everything in the trajectory of scriptures from the Old Testament to the New just continues to open wider and wider with freedom. But for some reason, we've held women back. And you've unleashed them. And that's why we're, that's why we're doing we need the whole family. We need the full image. I am so blessed to have been on a team where the full image of God is represented. And we are blessed to have women teachers and preachers in this place. And I'm convinced that it flows from the teachings of the scriptures. And I could go on and on, but the fact, the fact of the matter is, friends, everything we have given ourselves to in the last 16 plus years, and I would say in the 100 year history of Salem Lions Church, has been about integrating the teachings of Jesus. Have we done it perfectly? No. Have we made mistakes? Of course. 
But that's building your house on the rock. And as I wrap up my time here, here's, here's, here's how we can practice what we're talking about. Put this up on the screen. Last week I said over-familiarize yourself with the Sermon on the Mount. This week I'm saying over-familiarize yourself with the teachings of Jesus and put them into practice. Just begin putting them into practice. It's the invisible work of the Spirit in our lives. And as we do it, storms will come. We're, we're, we're in one. But you'll be good. The test will come, but you'll be good. Because you're building on bedrock. You're building on the teachings of Jesus. And he's with you. And better yet, here's what, here's what you're going to hear. It's going to be the opposite of Matthew 7, 21, which frightened me the first time I read it as a kid. When you see Jesus, what he's going to say is, I know you. I know, I know you. I, I recognize you. And I know you and you and you and you and you and you. Because you integrated the kingdom in your life in such a way the bedrock's laid. Way to go. I am so, so proud of you. Because you've taken the risks, you've pushed through the pain. You've experienced loss. Look, I'm looking at faces of people who've lost spouses. Who've buried children. Who are living with disease. And look at you. Be encouraged, friends. He knows you. Keep it up. Keep doing it. And the foundation will get stronger. Let me pray for us. Lord, you're kind. You are generous. You are loyal. You're not afraid to confront us. But each and every time you do, you always provide hope. Continue to teach us to differentiate between condemnation and and conviction. Give us ears to hear what you're calling us to. Would you lift a weight off our shoulder that somehow we've got to be perfect in order for you to like us? You're you're such a forgiver. May we give you the gift of authentic worship as we obey you and follow you into our future with you. Blessed be your name, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. 
Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.